Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you please take them out and go to the New Testament book of Luke. Luke chapter 1 is where we'll be, and actually we'll look at multiple scriptures this morning, but as we um, kick off our brand new series um, called uh, The Man, the Myth, the Messiah, we're looking at the book of Luke, and so I'm real excited about that today. But can we give just a hand clap of praise to our Heavenly Father this morning? Can we just do that this morning? And Pastor Trejo and Hispanic congregation, thank you so much for being here this morning. We greatly, greatly appreciate you, and we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? We are brothers and sisters in Christ, so thank you, thank you so much. Well, just by way of just one quick announcement, and this is for men. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. You're welcome. Amen. So make sure you have your, uh, your wife uh, something. Um, I don't, but I will by tomorrow. But uh, that was just a reminder to me. So, uh, but anyways, but man, I'm really, really glad that you are here um, this morning as we, as we kick off a brand new series on this book of Luke. And today is, is, going, to be, is going to be a way of introduction to this great book that we call Luke. Um, I liken today's message to a fast food restaurant that, that I enjoy. Just opened up in uh, Brunswick the other day, Chipotle. Um, there are many uh, burrito restaurants uh, today, Sachiro's, Moe's, um, Barberitos used to be here, but Chipotle was the one that I fell in love with first. Now, we know these burrito uh, fast food restaurants they serve really small burritos. No. They are what? They're huge. They are huge burritos that is filled with a lot of stuff. And you just, you just can't. It's, it's amazing to think that you could eat that whole thing. Um, but it's just a huge burrito, and it's just lots of stuff. Well, today, it's going to be like one of those burritos. And I'm going to share with you a lot of stuff. And so today, I just simply ask you to hang on. Look at your neighbor and say, hang with me. Now, I want you to hang with me today because we're going to share some things with you um, by way, again, by way of introduction of the book of Luke. And at the end of our service, um, Pastor Trejo um, is going to um, observe the ordinance of baptism. I think we have six uh, who are going to be baptized from the Hispanic congregation. So by way of concluding our service today, we are going to observe the ordinance of baptism. And what a dessert that is going to be. Amen? Let's give a hand clap of praise for that. Whenever I start a new series, um, I like to answer the why question. Why? Why this series? Why now? Why here? Well, there's two reasons why I want to look at this book of Luke. And the first reason is this. This is a series that the Lord placed on my heart probably, probably two years ago. Um, every year at the end of the year, I sit down and take some time to, 
to try to sketch out and, and plan what my sermons are going to be over the next year. Um, I will ask the Lord, Lord, show me what you want me to preach on. Um, and he will show me through prayer, through his scripture, through circumstances that are going on, through his word. And, and I will write these things down. And then I create an Excel spreadsheet and I fill out every Sunday with what I believe is going to be a topic that the Lord's placing on, on my heart. And of course, you, you figure it out and things happen and we all understand that. But, but two years ago, as I'm having some time with the Lord, asking God, what do you want me to preach on? I, w- I became convicted. I was, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit. I was convicted that I had not preached through a gospel. And that came to me, and I was like, Lord, you, but I've preached the gospels. I've preached through uh, some passages in Ma- Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But, but the Lord said what I sensed him to say is, but, but you haven't gone through a gospel. And so two years ago, I just began to to uh, uh, read the book of Luke, to, to study it, and to um, really just walk through this uh, book in, in the hopes that in the very near future, we as a congregation, uh, we would be able to walk through uh, the book of Luke. And um, COVID jumped in the way. Huh. Just blame everything on COVID, that works still. Um, but, but today... We're, we're getting into this book, and I'm real excited about it. Now, we'll let you know, um, it is not going to be a, a verse by verse by verse walk through this book. Why? Because this is the longest book in the New Testament. You think I preach long, this series will be really, really, really long. So what we will do is we'll work our way through it. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pick out uh, several passages in here that you are familiar with, but we're going to walk through this. We're going to walk through this book, and I'm really, really excited about it. And so that's the first reason. The second reason why I want us to go through this book, it is simply this. I want us as a church to sit at the feet of Jesus. That we just sit at the feet of Jesus. Turn over with me to Luke chapter 10. Go over there in your Bibles, Luke chapter 10. It'll be on the screen behind me, but look in uh, your copy of God's Word. Luke chapter 10, look at verses 38 and 42. It's a a passage that that you're familiar with, that many of you are familiar with. It's a story of Mary uh, and Martha. Mary and Martha are friends of Jesus. But but look at verse 38 through 42. Let me just point this out because because my, my desire in this series is that we sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from him. Verse 38, now as they were traveling along, he, Jesus, entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was what? She was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. Mary is doing something very important there. She is sitting at his feet. The Greek literally means that Mary took the initiative She took the initiative to sit at the feet of Jesus. But look at verse 40. We know the story. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations. And she came to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. Now, we know this story. Martha gets a bad reputation here, doesn't she? She gets a bad rap. But, but what I will say to you, and we'll look at this text later on, um, but, but what I want to say to you about Martha here is this. Martha is actually practicing the biblical gift or the biblical responsibility of hospitality. 
Anytime a rabbi was to come into your house, you had to prepare a meal for them. And so this is what Martha is doing. But you know this, I know this, but Martha seems to put the meal in front of Jesus. Do you get the picture? But look at what Jesus says to her. Now, this is a reason why we're going through the book of Luke. But Jesus said to her, but the Lord said, Martha, Martha. Now, by the way, this is where Jan of the Brady Bunch gets Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> you did not know that the Brady Bunch was biblical, did you? He says, Martha, Martha. Why are you worried and bothered about so many things? Why are you worried about that? And in verse 42, and he says, But only one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Jesus affirms Mary sitting at his feet. Do you get it? Jesus affirms Mary sitting at his feet. As a matter of fact, you look at the rest of the Gospels, you will see that Jesus and the writers of the Gospels, they affirm you and I sitting at the feet of Jesus. In the book of Matthew, we read of the wise men who come and sit at the feet of Jesus. In Mark, we read of the story of Jairus, whose daughter was sick, and Jairus fell at the feet of Jesus. In the book of Mark, we read of the, of the woman who had an issue of blood, and she reached out and touched the hem of his garment, the hem of his robe, and it said she fell at his feet. In Mark, we read of a woman whose daughter was, was controlled by a demon. She fell at Jesus' feet. And in the book of Luke, in the book of Luke, we read all of these stories. We read of these stories of, of Peter who falls at the feet of Jesus, and a leper who's been made clean sits at the feet of Jesus. We read of a man who has been possessed by demons. Uh, he's called the, uh, the Gadarenes, uh, the, the, the demon in Gadarenes, and he's, he's healed and he's in his right mind and he sits at the feet of Jesus. We read of the Samaritan woman who sits at the feet of Jesus, and then you have Mary here. So everywhere we go in the Gospels, we see people sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus told Mary, he said, this, you have chosen the good part. I mean, this continues a theme, this, this sitting at the feet of Jesus, it continues the theme of what, of what David the psalmist wrote in Psalm 27 verse 4 when he said, one thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty and to meditate in his temple. When David wrote that in Psalm 27, that is the New Testament equivalent of, I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus. D.L. Moody one of the great evangelists, uh, evangelists of the 19th century, he said this. This is beautiful. He said, sitting at Jesus' feet is the place of privilege and of blessing. Isn't that good? When you and I sit at the feet of Jesus, that is a place of privilege and that is a, that is a place of blessing. And so it is my prayer, as we walk through this book, we would sit before Jesus. And where do we find Jesus? We find him in the gospel accounts. We find him in the gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's where we find Jesus. Now, as we dive into this, let me first explain to you what is the gospel 
and what are the Gospels? Because if, if we find Jesus in the Gospels, then, then we need to define what is the Gospel and what are the Gospels. Well, you and I know this, that the Gospel, the Gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's the good news of Jesus Christ. The Gospel tells the story. It tells the story of Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his soon second coming. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Now, in Greek, the word gospel is this. It's euangelion. Everybody say that with me. Euangelion. Man, y'all are multilingual. Saying Spanish, and now you're speaking Greek. But that Greek word, euangelion, is broken up into two parts. The first part is eu, E-U, that means good, and galion means messenger, or it can mean angel, or it means to proclaim. But when you put these two together, the word gospel, euangelion, it means this, to proclaim the good news. So the gospel, it's the good news of Jesus Christ that must be proclaimed. Now, why does the gospel need to be proclaimed? The gospel needs to be proclaimed because people are hopelessly lost without Christ. That if people do not hear about Jesus and they die separated from Jesus, they will be eternally lost. That's why Peter would say in Acts chapter 4, he says, There is no other name under heaven by which a man can be saved. It's the gospel that saves people because it's the good news of Jesus Christ. This is why Paul would say in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power, it is the power of salvation to be saved first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. The gospel is good news. How many would you agree with that? The gospel is good news. The gospel is good news. Now, What are the Gospels? We have one Gospel, but what are the Gospels? Now, we know in our Scripture, we have four books. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four Gospels, but only one Gospel. What's what's the difference? Well, here's my definition of the Gospels. Are y'all with me this morning? Is that burrito getting big? Here's what the Gospels, this is my definition of, a, of, of the Gospels. <clears throat> the Gospels are different perspectives of the same story, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. The Gospels are different perspectives of the same story, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. And here's what we want to know about the Gospels. They are historical. Whenever you and I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it is historical, which means this, Jesus was really a man. He lived in history. Amen? So it is historical. Not only are the Gospels historical, they are also biographical, which means it tells the true story of Jesus Christ, the man, and the God. And so, Jesus is not just a man, and he's not a myth, so the Gospels are historical, it's it's biographical, and it's also theological, meaning this, it tells us how to be saved. 
meaning that we learn that Jesus is the Messiah. And so when we look at the Gospels, we find out who Jesus really is. We learn who he is. And if we want to know who he is, then we must sit at his feet. Now, all throughout history, all throughout church history, there have been symbols that have been given to the Gospels, different symbols for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, um, and in churches, um, stained glass windows were, used to be a really, really big deal, right? We have some beautiful stained glass windows here, but stained glass windows often told the story of the Gospels. And the Gospels would have a different symbol. So for Matthew, the symbol for him is this. It was a lion. Why a lion? Well, Matthew was a Jew writing for the Jews. And he wrote that Jesus was the Messiah from the tribe of Judah, and he is known as the Lion of Judah. So if you look at stained glass windows and you see a lion, you know that that represents the book of Matthew. The book of Mark, the symbol for Mark, is, is, is a man. You read the book of Mark, it is fast-paced. It is fast-paced. Jesus is on the go all the time. It's the shortest gospel, but he's going every place, everywhere he can go. And it shows Jesus in all of his humanity. So if you see stained glass windows in churches, you see a man, typically that reference the book of Mark. When you look at the book of John, the symbol for John is an eagle. Because John's, uh, John's gospel, is it flies high. It gets close to the sun. In John's gospel, it tells us that, that Jesus is the Christ, that the only way for salvation is through Jesus the Christ. But when we come to Luke, Luke gets a really strange animal, a calf. What? I mean, I'd be a little upset if I'm Luke. You get a calf? I mean, here you go, you got it. You got a lion. That's good. A man, good. Eagle, awesome. A calf? Why is the symbol for Luke a calf? It's because of this. Because in Luke's gospel, he focuses on as Jesus is the sacrifice of the world. And the calf was an animal for the sacrifice. And so when we read all the way for Luke and we make our ways all the way through, uh, we make our way through Luke, what we're going to see is that Luke, through his pen, he tells us in 24 chapters that, that Jesus is the one who breaks down the barrier of all the world because he is the one true sacrifice. Why don't you go to Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Y'all still with me? All right. That burrito's getting heavy, it's starting to sit on the stomach, start to get sleepy. Go to Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Luke 19, verse 10 is the key verse in all of the book of Luke. And this is what he says. Jesus himself said this. He said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the key verse. Now, if you know your scripture, you know the stories, you know that this scripture, this reference takes place within one of the most popular stories in all of scripture, the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a, there you go, that's right, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And so in this context, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. And he couldn't see because there's so many people around him. 
And he's short, and he climbs up the sycamore tree because the Lord, he wanted to see. And then you know this. Jesus sees him and says, Zacchaeus, you come down because I'm going to your house today. You remember this. And he goes to have, he has, Jesus has dinner with Zacchaeus. And in that story, in that uh, house, Zacchaeus begins to say, Jesus, I will, I will repay back everything that I've ever taken. Jesus, I want to convert. I repent. And then Jesus says to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, I want you to know I came for people just like you. I came for those who cheat people. I came for those who are short, praise God. I came for people who are not healthy. I came for the sick. I came for the lost. And all through the gospel of Luke, you will see that, that, that Luke writes that Jesus breaks down all the barriers in this world. Would you agree that we live in a world that wants to create barriers? Seems like the world just continually wants us to build barriers. Well, our Jesus broke all those barriers, and Luke is going to show us that. Well, let me share with you um, some five overarching themes about the book of Luke. Um, these are going to be on the screen, and I share this with you because it's going to help us to understand as we work our way, th- as we work our way through Luke. And I'm just going to give these to you rapid fire, and then we're going to look at Luke one, one through four. And so that we've got about 75 minutes to go. Number one, number one, here's there's five overarching themes to the book of Luke that I want you to get as we sit at the feet of Jesus. Number one, Luke is a gospel for the Gentiles. Luke is a gospel for the Gentiles. Now, what in the world does that mean? An interesting fact here is this. Luke is the only Gentile author of one of the books in the Bible. And so Luke, a Gentile, he writes to a Gentile that we see in Luke chapter 1, verse 3. His name is Theophilus. Theophilus means lover of God. We really don't know who he is other than the fact that he is a Gentile. So, so Luke, one of the gospel accounts, one of the different perspectives, it's written by a Gentile for the Gentiles. What does that mean? It means that salvation is not only for the Jew, it's for those who are Gentiles. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, you a Gentile. Unless you're Jewish. (laughs) Some of you may have a Jewish background, but listen, um, if you're not a Jew, you are a Gentile. And so so this book of Luke is so important. Just think about how good God is and how, how smart and how big God is that he knew in all of the world that, that there needed to be a letter written to Gentiles from a Gentile perspective to tell them about the Jewish Savior of the world. This is it. This is it. This is for us. This book is for you and me who are Gentiles. That's really reason, one of the reasons why it's one of the longest books. I mean, Luke tells us the story of Jesus. As a matter of fact, Luke, this isn't the only book that he wrote in the New Testament. What's the other book that he wrote? Say Acts, please. He wrote Acts. And so Luke, a Gentile, tells us the story of Jesus and then tells us the story of the growth of the church. I just find that amazing. This is Luke. The second thing that we're going to see in Luke is this, that this gospel is also a gospel of prayer. It's a gospel of prayer. 
um, scholars will agree that Luke's gospel um, is specifically called this gospel of prayer. Now think about this, and we'll, we'll get all through this, but at every moment, at every great moment in Jesus' life, Luke shows prayer. In Luke, chapter in Luke chapter 3, Luke is going to show Jesus praying before he's baptized. In Luke chapter 5, he's going, to show, he's going to show Jesus praying before he confronts the Pharisees. In Luke chapter 6, he's going to show Jesus praying before he selects his 12 disciples. And it's only in this gospel, only in this gospel account of Luke, that it shows Jesus praying for Peter when he was being tested. Do you remember when Jesus says, Peter, watch out, you're about to be sifted. Do you remember that? This is God, Luke's gospel. This is in Luke chapter 11 is the only gospel account where the disciples ask Jesus this question, Lord, would you teach us to pray? So apparently in Luke's gospel, apparently in Luke's gospel, we see that, that, that Jesus, the one we serve, the one we sit at his feet, we see that Jesus is a man of prayer. And so Luke wants you and I to know that if Jesus prayed, it only makes sense what? that you and I pray as well. So the Luke, uh, gospel of Luke, it's a gospel for the Gentiles. It's a gospel for prayer. And the, the third one, this is a great one. I love it. Our world needs to hear this. This is a gospel of women. It's a gospel for women. And this is important. And I think this is that, that, that theme is important as we continue in our days that is going haywire. Scholars overwhelmingly say that Luke's gospel elevates women to equal footing as men, as they've always have been. Nobody said amen on that? <laughs> Luke's gospel, remember, it's a Gentile uh, Luke's a Gentile. He's writing to Gentiles. In the Jewish world and in that ancient world, if you were a woman, you're considered property. There's no value for you. You were, you were considered uh, not as smart as men. You weren't able to do uh, things like men. As a matter of fact, in the Jewish Talmud, the Jewish Talmud is a commentary written by um, a priest on the Old Testament. The Talmud is not the Word of God. But in the Jewish Talmud, it is said that men, when they wake up, they are to pray this. They say, God, thank you that you did not make me a Gentile, that you did not make me a slave, and you did not make me a woman. Crazy, huh? It's crazy. But here in Luke's gospel, Luke elevates women. He tells their story. He tells us in chapters 1 and chapter 2, he tells us the story of Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. He tells us the story of Mary, um, how, how she conceived Jesus. Luke tells us the story of the bleeding woman. He tells us the story of, uh, of the woman that Jesus healed on Sabbath. He tells us the story of Mary and Martha. He tells us the story that the first people at the resurrection, at the empty tomb, it's women. And so all throughout this gospel, Luke elevates women. This is a story that says, you know what, ladies? You are on the same ground as men because he tells us at the foot of the cross, it is equal footing. 
It doesn't matter if you're red, yellow, black, or white, male or female, two distinct male and female, you are equal. So if you are born a male, God blessed you with that. If you're born a female, God blessed you with that as well. And this gospel says, listen, you're a woman, come on, get on up. Get on up. Because there's no shame. There's no shame. There's no shame in being a woman. But there's shame for men to put them down. And this gospel talks about that. Here's, here's number four. I'm starting to get excited about Luke. Are y'all getting excited? Thank you. Number four. Here's the fourth thing. It is a gospel of praise. It's a gospel for Gentiles. It's a gospel for prayer. It's a gospel for women. And it's a gospel for praise. In Luke's two books, Acts and this gospel, he uses a phrase, this one phrase called praising God. He uses that more than all the other New Testament letters put together. This man, Luke, is a man who values praise. In Luke 19, he says this, um, he says, Jesus said this, I tell you what, and this is on his triumphal entry. He says, if these people don't cry out, then the rocks will cry out. That comes from Luke. Luke focuses in on prayer that God is a God who is worthy of praise. And we're going to see that. And then here's the fifth thing that I think is the most outstanding characteristic of Luke, and it's this, that Luke's gospel, it's the universal gospel. What do I mean by universal? I alluded to it earlier already, but this is what Luke wants us to understand, that Jesus Christ is for all people without distinction. I hope you heard that. Let me say that again. Jesus Christ is for all people without distinction. Your skin color is something that God gave you and is something that is to be highly valued. It is not to divide. Why? Because Jesus Christ has broken down all barriers that man has put up. We'll see in Luke 9, we'll see that Jesus writes that the kingdom of heaven was not shut out to the Samaritans. In, in Jesus' day, the Samaritans were looked down upon they were oppressed by Jews. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. We don't put down people because of what they look like or where they come from. We don't put them down. Because Jesus says, I value them. And so when we read through the book of Luke, we're going to see... We're going to see Jesus reach out to the outcast. We're going to see him reach out to the sinner. We're going to see him reach out to people who do not look like us. So that one day... We'll get to experience something like we experience today where we'll get to sing in a language that we do not understand. That we'll see people from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation all gathered around the throne of thrones declaring the glories of who God is. Well, let me tell you what William Barclay says about this book. William Barclay says this about Luke. He says, the gospel according to Luke has been called the loveliest book in the world it has been said that a minister sees men and women at their best, a lawyer sees them at the worst, and a doctor sees them as they are. But Luke sees men and women, and he loves them all. Man, that's awesome. With that being said, and I can tell you're excited and fired up, <laughs> look at Luke chapter 1. 
We're going to read this. And then we're going to see some baptisms. Luke says this, beginning of verse number one. He says, Inasmuch, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. What you and I have just read in verses 1 through 4, it's one sentence in Greek and has been called the greatest single sentence in Greek. Scholars overwhelmingly say this is the greatest, the greatest literature in all of Greek. What can we take from that today? I want to share three things with you real quickly. Here's points of application for what we've shared with you this morning. Number one. This isn't on the screen, but this is for you if you want to write it down or hold on to it. Number one, what we can learn from Luke 1, 1 through 4 is simply this. We are to give our best for Jesus Christ. Luke wrote the greatest single sentence in Greek. And it's as if Luke is saying, I'm about to tell the greatest story. So I'm going to write the greatest Greek that I can do. And the implication is we live for the greatest Savior, the only Savior in the world. Therefore, he demands and and wants from us our best, and he wants our greatest effort. Not for salvation, but because he is great. He is good. And so Luke Who's a, who's a doctor, who is a, um, who is a companion of Paul, who is a co-worker of Paul, who's a great historian. He says, I'm about to write the greatest story, the gospel, and because of that, I've got to do my best. And so as we walk through this series, my prayer is that you would give God your best. One extra biblical account of, of Luke said this. I, this is beautiful. He says, and dude, Luke was a doctor by profession, a disciple of the apostles. Later, he followed Paul until his martyrdom, served the Lord blamelessly. He never had a wife. He never had children. He died at the age of 84, full of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Wow. That's Luke. That's what, that's what we want to accomplish that we would be full of the Holy Spirit. The second takeaway that we can take from this, uh, from Luke 1, 1 through 4, is this. Our faith in Jesus is to be personal. You are to have a personal faith in Jesus Christ. Look with me in verse number 3. Verse number 3, and then we're going to be done. This is it. That's all I'm going to share this morning. Verse number 3, look at it. It says this. Luke says, it seemed fitting for me as well. What is so neat about that phrase is this. 
No other gospel, Matthew, Mark, or John, uses the pronoun I. Mark, excuse me, Luke is the only one who says, I want to know Jesus myself. Do you get it? He says, I want to know. He says, it seemed fitting for me as well. Verses 1 and 2, he says, man, we've had this gospel passed down to us. I've had it shared with us. People have written it down. People have shared it with me um, through, through stories. And this is what Luke says. He says, listen, I, I mean, I love those stories, and, but I don't want to hang my hat on somebody else's story. I want to know Jesus myself. I want to know him personally. I want to be so close to him. I want to sit at his feet, and I want to know him. It's not that the other works were bad. It's not that the other stories were not not right. All that Luke is saying is this, I want to know Jesus too. I want to know him because it's the greatest story this world has ever heard. And so as we walk through this book, my prayer is that you would get to know Jesus personally and intimately. And then we sit at the feet of Jesus. It's going to be fun. And I hope you're ready to go along on the ride as we talk about the man, the myth, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, Father, I thank you for this book who's going to point us to the Messiah. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we as a people would follow the example of Luke, that we would want a personal, intimate relationship with you, and we'd follow the example of Mary, who sat at the feet of Jesus. Oh God, oh God, Show us who you are. Your word says that if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. May we find you. In Jesus' name we pray.